family, you're tuning in to the Jimmy Bonds podcast on Philadelphia Radio. Pardon any technical difficulties as we are recording live on the Zoom platform. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Jimmy! Okay. Lights, camera, action. Some people thought I quit and I ain't giving satisfaction. From a different era, writing rhymes up on nappies. What you had to say was more important, man, than trapping. Yeah, I'm talking back to speaking of contemporary. What's good, family, and welcome to another episode of Jimmy Bond's podcast on Philadelphia Radio. Remember, family, you can call us with your comments or questions at 844-844-1244. Again, that's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. It's J-I-N-N-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. I am your host, Jimmy Bonds, along with my co-host, Ty T.Y. What's good, Ty? How you feeling? All good in the neighborhood, live from the 215, JB. Live from the 215, you know how we do. And you know I can't forget my other co-host, love you, Miss T, with the T. What's up, T? How you doing? I'm feeling good, Jimmy. How about you? I'm doing well, Mom. I'm doing well. You know I cannot forget my other co-host, all the way straight from Mexico. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Lucy, how you doing, Lucy? What's up with you? I'm living the dream, feeling reset and ready to go. Amen to that. Amen to that. We all need to get there. We all need to get there. Remember, family, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Jimmy Bonds Podcast, on Twitter at Podcast Bonds, and make sure you join the Jimmy Bonds Podcast Facebook group. Let's continue to open the dialogue. Also, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Jimmy Bond Podcast YouTube channel, and the Philadelphia Radio YouTube channel. You can also check us out at the Unity Podcast Network at unitypodcast.com. Family, tonight, 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 we have a very good show. Um, we are doing a topic discussion, and I am so happy that we have a guest to cover this topic. I would, I would consider her an expert. I would consider her very knowledgeable of this. And so, family, tonight's topic is going to be about prison relationships more on terms of people that are outside supporting someone else inside that's an incarcerated so that's really what it is i don't want y'all thinking prison relationships y'all be like ooh, two two inmates getting together like no 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 this is about people outside supporting people on the inside so with that being said let me start off with a few stats that will kind of boggle your mind about why this is important so 80 percent of married men that are in jail normally get divorced within the first year that they're incarcerated. Each year a prisoner a prison term is increased, the divorce rate increases by 32%. They say black men, which makes up 13% of Pennsylvania population. I'm only focusing on Pennsylvania because that's where we are. But black men with within Pennsylvania, 13% of us, they say we make up 47% of the prison population. That ranks number eight in the United States. And last but not least, 45% of all Americans have had an immediate family member incarcerated. It's going to say 45% of all Americans, but of that 45%, 63% are Black people. 63, okay? That is an awful lot. Now, if I go down to other races, I can say 42% for white people and 48% for Hispanic. So we dominate that 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 department or that stat and we i think a lot of a lot of things that we understand why we dominated but i thought it was important to get somebody that can kind of give us a better insight on the experience of having a prison relationship so tonight 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 we invite a special guest her name is crystal wyatt i want to introduce you to her so let me just give you a little bit about who she is crystal wyatt is a native of philadelphia 
She is the owner and operator of Ride and Rebuild LLC, which is a, which is a transportation service for families to visit incarcerated loved ones in the state of Pennsylvania. She's also a podcast host for Real Resilience Prison Wife Life Podcast, where women can come share their stories of resilience. She's also an author of her own memoirs, Road Tripping, Riding and Rebuilding Through Resilience. I like to describe her as resilient, forward-thinking, compassionate, understanding, aware, humble, innovative, influential, experienced, and uplifting. She's a podcaster, an advocate, an activist, an author, a leader, a business owner. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to Miss Crystal Wyatt. What's up, Miss Crystal? Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. How you doing? How you doing? I mean, I'm good. But when you hear all that introduction, no wonder I'm burnt out. Like, good grief, why did I do all of that? Like, what was the point? <laughs> well, I mean, that's I mean, good, though. No, that's great. Listen, it's great to have you on because, you know, I find a lot of times people don't, don't know the story, nor do they really want to know the story, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, you know, I thought that your experience, and I would really say your expertise within this department, is very vital for people to understand what really goes on within these relationships and within people's lives on the outside as well as people's lives on the inside. Yeah. So, you know, I, of course I got some questions, Crystal. Of course I, I got some questions. Right kicking off, can you share a bit about your personal experience with having a partner that was incarcerated? Sure. So for me, um, I kind of always like to go back to you know, the initial question of, you know, how, how has the prison, um, how has incarceration impacted my life? So, you know, when I was 13, that was the first time I was introduced to the prison system. My uncle was a white collar criminal and um, he was the breadwinner of the family. And so he got indicted. And when he got indicted, um, our, our family fell apart. You know, my mom was a single mom, but her brother took care of her. And so, and she worked as well, but he was the breadwinner. He's the one that moved us out of Philly for a short time into the suburbs of, you know, New Jersey, where life was great. Get evicted, and we're back in Philadelphia. My uncle was someone who I love dearly. We're not going to shun him, right? So he, we're going to accept him. We're going to love him. He took care of us. So he didn't look like a criminal to us. He looked like a breadwinner. He looked like a loving family member. And so when you're a little girl and you see someone who has, um, was just only trying to take care of their family, you know, the backstory, you don't judge, right? And so when you get older, you look for those qualities in men. You look for a man who is going to take care of his family, whether it's legal or illegal. And you're going to kind of see him not like society does. You see him as the brother, the father, the uncle, the you know nephew or cousin, and so when I going through my life, it seemed like I was also only around people who were getting right. But that's also our community. So I came up in Southwest Philly um, in the late eighties, early nineties when we had the crack epidemic. So I'm watching young brothers that I went to school with, got went in the water plug with, turn from being these good boys to these hustlers because crack had come in and infiltrated families. 
So their families who were middle class, the mom and the father, are now on drugs. So we're watching our community just get shredded by this thing, and we're still trying to love each other, right? So now we're growing up. Now we're sexually active, and I'm just going to be really honest. So we're not little kids anymore. So we're sexually active. We're now we're parents, young parents, because we have to go. I always, I always describe it as, you know, Lord of the Flies, right? You know, when the, the movie The Lord of the Flies, they were all left by themselves as children to take care of themselves and survive, right? That's what it was like growing up in Southwest Philly. So I'm, I'm watching young brothers around me just try to survive. I don't judge it. I loved it. You know, I loved them despite what they were going through. And so I've married, I've been married twice. My first marriage was to a well-known poet, deaf poet. Um, but my second husband was a lifer, right? Uh, but before I got into the lifer, I was in love with this guy from North Philly who was the worst criminal. Like he kept getting locked the F up. <laughs> And I was like, you're not good at this. Like, you're just not. And because I knew his backstory, he was a teenage father. He was a father at 13. He didn't know. Hey, hey what else was he supposed to do but try to figure out how to take care of his children? Right. And, and I'm probably going to go into a couple of different places because it's the judgment that really bothers me about young brothers who are incarcerated. A lot of young men that are incarcerated are incarcerated because they became young fathers. As soon as a young man has a child, it's, you're a man now, you better take care of this baby. He's 13, he's 14, he's up to 18. He doesn't know how to be a man or a father. So what is he doing? He in the street. And now what is he doing? He locked up. So you have all these young men who have these young girls, like myself, who just, we're going to love the spike. And so for me, it wasn't, it wasn't a space of judgment, you know? And so the one who I fell in love with who went to jail, and I got to be honest, because I came up in a lifestyle and I came up, I still wasn't going to mess with somebody that went to jail because I didn't have time for that. But this one brother, the bad criminal, when I say bad, I mean just wasn't good at it. When he got locked up, I was so in love with him. So there was no way I could figure out how to just not ride. You feel me? So I started riding. I was going to CFCF, you know, for those who are not in Philadelphia, that's the county institution, the state road. I'm going to CFCF. I'm, you know, I'm getting to know the guards. I'm getting to know how to take the jewelry off, you know, make sure my bride's got the right bride. Like I'm learning all of this for him because I loved him. And he went upstate. And that's a whole different beast. You know, you go from the county to upstate. And so when he went upstate, it was like, okay, well, let me, let me, let me figure out how to get up there. This is before GPS. So I'm riding upstate with a map in my lap, you know, trying to make the right turns um, and not get lost. And so for me and him, it was the beginning of me realizing that. You know, I pride myself on just being very knowledgeable. There's a lot of women uh, who find themselves in love with someone who gets locked up and cannot navigate that system. So for me, I wanted to help people navigate the system, which is why I started the van service. Um, but it didn't start while he and I were together. You know, when he came home from jail, he was a he was horrible. He was just he was horrible. We broke up. And I still decided I wanted to do this man service because I never forgot the women who 
just couldn't get to see their loved ones. Now that was a long answer. What is the question again? <laughs> <laughs> this is water. This is water. No, you you are right. Even if they water, who cares? You, 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 right. But you know, everything you were saying was so profound. Everything that you had to say about the experience to me, and I'm sure the team feels the same way. Like people don't talk about this kind of stuff. And I said it before, I'll say it again. They don't know do they want to talk about this kind of stuff because in some aspects, people are ashamed about their loved one being in jail. In some aspects, people are, you know, they're, they're embarrassed behind it. How could you be dating a criminal? You know what I mean? How could you be in love with a criminal? But I, but as I always say, you can't choose who you love. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't choose who you love. You can't choose the way your heart goes. So in, in, in a lot of ways, you just... You just follow your heart. I mean, that's yeah. what you told when you were a kid, right? Follow your heart. Even yeah. though it might not be the, the smartest move, that's exactly what you do. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to let the team, I'm going to let somebody else ask you a question though, and get into the conversation. But I, I, I am taken back and definitely enjoying where, you know, your experiences have come from and why. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of our listeners might not be in Southwest Philly. They might not know, but yeah. I know Southwest Lucy. But before you before your team member asks asks a question, I want to um, um, share a point with you about the the stats that you delivered at the beginning um, in terms of how many people are incarcerated. And so that was the, what I've learned when I because I too I worked I was a researcher at a nonprofit organization. You know, Monday through Friday, I'm traveling on the weekends across the country doing you know research for youth development, at risk, you name it. But on the weekends and at night, I'm laid up with somebody who was in the streets, you know? And so there's a lot of women who have to navigate that duality where we have professional positions, but we also love who we love, right? And so when I had, when I got further into my work, I was like, we got to reduce the stigma because let's not be, let's, let's be very clear. It's not just women who love a man that's locked up. It's moms, aunts, grandmothers, sisters, you know what I mean? These women are riding for these brothers. And the the the, the thought is, oh, well, well, how can you support somebody that's locked up? Well, you just don't stop loving. You definitely can't stop loving your son. I mean, you could if you wanted to, but most of us aren't. So we all know somebody that knows somebody that's been locked up or have had um, experience a family member that's been incarcerated or a community member that's been incarcerated. Yeah. I mean, straight. I, of course, I know people that's been incarcerated. I know people are still incarcerated. So, I mean, they're in their family members. So, I mm-hmm. mean, it, it, it it's not far. It, it's not mm-hmm. like you got to stretch and go look for it. I mean, yeah. they're, they're they're family members. Lucy, you got any? I know you got a question that you might want to ask. So you might want to chime in on something. Yeah, my biggest thing for me, Crystal, is you talk about navigating the system, right? For you being somebody who was exposed to people who were in prison like when you were 13 for those who haven't per se experienced that type of lifestyle background and the person that they love happens to go to jail for x amount of years or lifer how do they or you can get them to transition into that phase because that's like a role mindset and that's a big shift it's like it's a difference than saying oh i'm in a long distance relationship where i literally can't see you as often as I would like to. So how does one who hasn't had that experience or that history behind it navigates this now new life, this new mentality of my significant other in prison now? So what's interesting, Lucy, is that there are a lot of people who, um, a lot of women who find themselves in that same situation, haven't grown up in it, that never dated anybody who went to jail, but their their black husband or their black boyfriend 
um, was in a car. He might have had marijuana. He got pulled over. He might have had another small violation. It doesn't matter where he is, but he might have had a small, another small violation, but now he's in the county. They've never experienced it. You know what I mean? And so for them, it's almost like you better find a network. You have to find other people who have experienced this so you can learn, right? Learn what it is that you need to do to visit an institution. Learn what it is that you need to do on those nights when he's not coming home because it's almost like death. Um, for me, he and I did everything together, right? He and I, we, 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 we went to eat, you know, we smoked together. We did everything together. And then he gets locked up. I don't have nobody to play with. You know what I'm saying? And so it's almost like death. And it's a lot of women who they, they equate incarceration to, to death because your partner's not there. So it's a lot of needing to find um, resources, sisterhoods, communities that will allow you to just cry in those moments, right? And then be uplifted so that you know it's not a, it's not a real death sentence depending on the crime. Right. And so for me, who ended up marrying a lifer um, in this prison, I don't know. I just felt like I was always the type of person that miracles happened to. So he wasn't going to be there forever. You know, like, oh, you you want an you get you going through an appeal. OK, well, let me um, let me figure out what I need to do to help you with this appeal process. You need me to call a lawyer. You need me to, to, to get some documents. You need me to go down to the CJC and go through some files and get your records. I'm going to do all of that. So a lot of us women become assistants, right? We become lawyers in this. And those are the types of things that keep us from losing our minds because you want to feel like you're doing something to help, you know, without just sitting there and crying. But there is a lot of crying that happens, you know? And so for a woman who hasn't grown up in it, she's going to experience the same loss that a woman who has grown up in it. I hope that answered your question. No, it did. It's just the whole mentality is what was, I was really thinking of it because yes, one can love somebody, but it's like, I'm doing this life or this bit with you. I may not be physically incarcerated with you, but it's like, I'm incarcerated with you. So yeah. And it's not for everyone. And it's draining. It's suffocating. You know, when I was um, not the first relationship, but the, the the last relationship when I was married, I didn't even want the fucking phone. Oh, I'm sorry. I cuss a lot. Oh, no, you all good. Let it out, please. <laughs> okay. Say what you got to say. I've been editing my cuss words all no, yeah. time, but I'm sorry. <laughs> but I didn't want the phone calls. Like, I got sick of that 830 phone call because you know what that meant? That meant I had to be somewhere. I had to be sitting still in order to get this 15-minute phone call so you could ask me what I was doing. I don't want to talk about what I'm doing because at certain points, it's not in your business because you have become so single, right? Um, my marriage lasted two years and I had to sit down with him and explain that I couldn't do it anymore, right? I, I'm, I never judge women that can but I couldn't do it anymore. And I had to be completely honest because with all of that comes celibacy. You know, um, some people don't, some people aren't celibate. There's a lot of women who will still, excuse me, have a relationship on the side. Well, the partner that I had, um, I respected him too much to do that without permission. 
You feel me? Like, I wanted to sit down with him and say, all right, this is what my body doing. You can't do nothing for this body. So let me go do this. And he was like, no. And I was like, well, shit, I got to get rid of you because <laughs> I'm out here with this body. You know what I mean? And the reality is, if you are not honest with yourself and your partner who is in that predicament, you're just living a lie. And that's unhealthy. Right. And so when I sat down with my ex-husband, second ex-husband, um, and explained this to him, he was like, well, you, you, you knew what you were getting into. And I was like, yeah, I did. But the evolution of a person changes. We're not the same. You're not the same Lucy, Tyrone, Tiana, as you were yesterday. So we change. Right. And so imagine what's happening to your body in two years while you are watching someone get denied appeals, um, it got to the point where I would go to the prison and I would have to sit with him in silence for 30 minutes because I couldn't take the noise of the visiting room. It's, it's a, it's a mind fuck. It's hard. You know, it's extremely, extremely hard. Um, and so what I had to do was still figure out a way to support him, but still, operate in a space of reform because there's so much wrong with it. And Jimmy, you mentioned the statistics about marriages failing. I'm going to tell you why they fail in Pennsylvania. And I'm about to get very real. There are no conjugal visits in the state of Pennsylvania. So you cannot have sex with your husband. I don't know what the idea behind that is. It promotes, um, it promotes same sex relationships in the prison because men still have these needs. Um, It promotes distance between men and women. And um, it just promotes breaking down the family. There's no way around it. So if there were conjugal visits in the state of Pennsylvania, I probably would still be married. And I mean, even even to double up on what you just said, you know, there are only four states in the the United States where you can have conjugal visits. Mm -hmm. Now, I know California is one of them. I think I think Washington's another. New York. New York is another. And, and down I, south. I think it's Mississippi. So, I mean, there are, out of 50 states, there's uh, there's only four. So, if you get locked up somewhere, you better hope you go to one of them states cuz otherwise I'm not saying you not. Yeah, otherwise you you <laughs> short, son. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, so that's a barrier. You know, yeah. so for me, I was like, you know what, I want to get on the, you know, I want to, you know, advocate for conjugal visits, but there's so much wrong with the Pennsylvania prison system that it's like, I don't even know how we get this on the agenda because we got all these other things wrong with it. You know what I mean? But if anybody should do it, it should be me. Yeah, it probably <laughs> should. It probably should. But and look, I want to get a question before we take take a break. Okay. See, you got. I know you got a question for. Her. I know you do. So to piggyback off of Lucy was saying, how um, how to help women transition into their loved one husband going into jail? How can you help up transition from coming back? Because like your your playmate went to jail, and now your playmate's back. So like it's a whole different thing. And like you said, people get divorces, they break up. Is there a way for them to? I guess like, tra- I don't know, transition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the reason why I started my van service was because I wanted to want to reduce recidivism um, and I wanted to keep families together, right? My ideology was that if men, <laughs> if, 
if the incarcerated, because I'm about to say something else, if the incarcerated person had um, family support, when they came home, they would hopefully not reoffend, right? Because they had the support. Someone was coming to visit them every week, sitting there. And what happens in these visiting rooms, you can imagine, baby, when I get home, we gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. We gonna be great. All this is happening. And a woman is buying that shit and the man is selling it, but he's also buying it as well until he comes home and he sees he can't get a job. He can't get housing. He can't get half the stuff he thought he could get. And now he's depressed. He's anxious. He's got all these things going on. And so for me, I was like, all right, well, we're going to manage that. We're going to have families, you know, taking these trips and riding up and all that. But what was happening was that there were brothers who were coming home and they were reoffending because of all those other variables that I mentioned. And it became depressing for me, right? I have a woman ride with me for two years straight. She's going to see this man. He's home no more than three months. He's back in the system. He's home no more. And these are on violations, which is why the reform movement was trying to do their part because if you're home on parole and you get a violation, you back doing your back time, your whole family is just up, up in, up in arms all over again. And so it is as hard to transition out of the family as it is to transition, transition back into the family. It's, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Yes. Crystal. I mean, you dropping some jewels over here. It sound like, you know, the stuff people need to know, like stuff I didn't know, you know, exposing all of us to what the actual realities are of people that are incarcerated in the families and have to love them, you know. Family, listen, we're going to take a quick break. We are discussing prison relationships with the beautiful Miss Crystal Wyatt. She is letting us know about all things because she has experience within the prison relationships. But listen, we're going to take a quick break. Remember, you call us with your comments or questions at 844-844-1244. Again, that's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. It's J-I-M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. You'll listen to Jimmy Bond's podcast on Philadelphia Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Michael from Upper Darby. This is Jimmy Bond's podcast on Philadelphia Radio. Welcome back to the Jimmy Bond's podcast on Philadelphia Radio. We thank you for listening. Remember, family, you can call us at 844-844-1244. Again, that's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. That's J-I-M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. And welcome back to Jimmy Bond's podcast on Philadelphia Radio. Remember, family, you can call us with your comments or questions at 844-844-1244. Again, it's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. It's J-I-M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. Also, family, remember to check us out every morning at 8 a.m. on Philadelphia Radio philadelphiaradio.com as well as every evening at 6 p.m on eaj 1023 radio in new york city make sure you check us out family we're doing great things moving right along we are definitely continuing our conversation about prison relationships and we're lucky to have miss crystal wyatt over here podcast host of the real resilience prison wife life podcast she's doing her thing she has she has infinite knowledge about this family experience as well as advocacy that she's done but uh brother ty has a question for brother ty go ahead man Yes, uh, Miss Crystal. Um, one of the things you 
constantly mentioned was the word love as far as loving this, this gentleman, loving his brother. And you hear that a lot from women who are going through those type of situations where the man is in jail or in prison. It is, it's that love. Uh, do you think that plays a part in the woman's thinking as to, to continue on with this gentleman? Mm-hmm. Believing that the love is there when it's actually this individual's behavior that's causing the problems and not the female's love that she's relying on so much? What do you mean? Um, like, so it's like, I love my love, I'll do anything for him, but his mm-hmm. behavior is not justifying the love. His behavior in terms of him being locked up? Or being reincarcerated or coming okay. out. Okay, so let's 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 look at that for a second. Right. So his behavior for being incarcerated. Um, most women who are, um, like I said in the beginning, who who end up loving a man who goes to jail have um, have had some trauma, right? He's had some trauma. She's had some trauma. So there's the trauma bond that's there. There's the community values that are there. Those are their norms. And so when he is finding himself in a, the predicament of incarceration, um, there's probably a lot that led up to that. Like I said, poverty, um, mental health trauma, um, just lack lack of resources, abandonment in the family. So there's a lot of things that tie into why a, per- why a person offends. So, and the reason why I talk about that a lot is because no one wakes up and say, I want to be a criminal, right? There's always something that led down that path. And, and maybe it is something that happened when they was a child. You know, there's the adverse childhood experiences survey where, you know, there's a 10 point questionnaire that asks you these questions. Have you, did you grow up in a family where you were neglected? Did you grow up in a family where your mom got beat on? Did you grow up in a family where um, somebody was incarcerated? Did you have food? You know, all these different things. For me personally, on this 10 point scale, my, my number is at eight. So I've been impacted by a lot of trauma, right? And so people who are fit, offend, we don't look at what led them there. We don't look at we don't look at all that ten point scale to say, oh, I see how you ended up down this path of incarceration because there was no support around you, right? So now this man who probably was in the street running around trying to make things happen for the family, he gets locked up. This is probably the first time that this woman, whether she's a girlfriend, wife, mother, aunt, whoever, has slept peacefully because he's locked up. He's not on the street. He's not in danger of being murdered. He's not in danger of being arrested, right? So now he's locked up. He's safe. She's sleeping at night and he's telling her everything that if he had the power to do, meaning he didn't have any of those barriers, there was no poverty, he had a good, he could work without, he could have good housing. If he had none of that, he's telling her, this is what I want to be. This is what I want to do for us. She has every right to believe that and want to believe that because that's the hope. That's what the hope was before he got locked up. So now he is not at risk of offending. He's not at risk of dying. She can get rest at night. She's going to eat all that up. She won't eat it up. 
She, I mean, even as a mom, she's going to eat it up. All right, baby, when you come home, we going to do this. You don't have to not going to be around them same people again. And he might come home. And for five days, he might do all the shit he said he was going to do. But something is going to happen that's going to take him back down the road if he doesn't have the, the will, right? The will and also the support, the systems in place for him to really thrive, that means have a job waiting for him. That means having housing wait for him. A lot of women who get a man, have a man that's locked up, a lot of these women don't own their own homes. So when he come home, he can't even live with her because she can't have a, a, an offender live in her building or her apartment. So now he got to live somewhere else. That's a, that's a fracture on the relationship. But the whole time he was locked up, he calling her every night, checking on her. They had this relationship. When he comes home, he on the street, he can't even be in the same space as her. So it's more than just the love. It's all those other variables. I'll say that a thousand times probably in this chat. <laughs> that is so many other variables that go into why a woman would say, I'm a ride. I'm a ride. I mean, um, let me ask it. Oh, let me let me play devil's advocate with you, Crystal, real quick. Mm-hmm. So like Ty, Ty expressed about, you know, behaviors. And what do you say to people who are like, yeah, that's a bunch of bullshit. Like you can just stop doing that and you'll be fine. Like just cut it out. You yeah. know what I mean? So, I mean, because some people have that philosophy, like, well, you went to jail once, you know, not to go back, you know, that's just stupid. You yeah, know what I mean? Funny. But, but within yeah. our, a lot of times within our community, we don't take into the, the, the sociology, the social, social, economic, socioeconomic, yeah. um, you we know, never family, do. Familial. We never do. Even we, in our own families, I'm sorry, Jimmy, but even in our own families where we've been struggling to pay our bills, we be like, why, why he just don't stay out of jail? You can barely pay your rent. Imagine a man who's who's whose society say, you're the breadwinner, you're it's like hey, you're the breadwinner, you you should take care of your family, you should be doing this, all that pressure, and you like, I can't do it because I got locked up once trying to do that shit. And now I got all this other shit stacked against me. And so you still want me to carry that? I can't carry it. So then you have anger issues. Then you, can, then, then you end up having a more violent offender. Yeah. You know, it's... it's. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a system. And it's definitely a cycle. You yeah. know, there are people, there are brothers within our community, you know, that look at going to jail as a rite of passage. Absolutely. You know, their brothers in our community be like, you ain't, lock, you ain't been locked up? For real? And I mean, mm-hmm. and they, they literally share their their jail stories and the people that they know let's talk about that for a second because when you know you said i own ride and rebuild i shut ride and rebuild down because i got burnt out and then covid happened so i never picked it back up because i couldn't go back out there and then once covid happened and george floyd happened and then the streets was flooded with all this money and people are like why are there so many guns on the street and i'm like (laughs) <laughs> you know, in Philly, we always say DH, but I'm not going to say DH. You know what that means. <laughs> but when oh wait, wait no, we got we got to translate. We don't we don't. The people listening don't say, know what, what DH time. means. <laughs> DH, listen, the the classic word in Philly is dickhead. You dickhead, like plain and simple, okay? And, and everybody know I don't be cussing on the show, but I gotta I, I gotta translate for you who, who are Thank not from you. Philly, okay? Dickhead, Thank that is a classic. Philly term, okay? So I'm going to let it be right there. Thank you. So that word, when the pandemic hit, the lines were long for three things. 
toilet paper, paper towels, and guns. Where did you think all those guns went? Not just the ones that they smuggling in through boats and all that other shit that's happening. But where do you think those extra guns went? They went on the street. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so now I'm a person who is prison reform. Prison, yeah. I'm like prison reform. But I'm watching babies getting murdered. I'm watching babies murder. I'm watching everybody, the, the city is imploding. And the same woman, same women who were riding my van, I had plenty of women riding my van to go up to the prison to tell the father that's incarcerated that their child was murdered. Uh, that shit is hard. Uh, right? So now I have the same women who would have been riding to the prison, they burying babies all over the city. Uh, so I had to step back in prison reform yeah. because I'm in the space of I can't, I don't want to advocate to lock everybody the fuck up, but we got to do something because we're, it's not safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so it's, it's, it's a really hard space to be in for me because I know that prison is not the solution when you have all the other variables that lead to incarceration. Right. You need to have we have had so much trauma in our community as black folk that we need healing. And until we have a collective healing, we're not going to stop committing crimes. And then the other thing you said about, you know, people tell you, well, why you go back to jail? You know, it should be easy. I'm not supposed to eat chocolate, but I just keep eating that shit. And like, I hope I don't break out. You know what I mean? So. It's a lot of stuff that we we're so quick to judge, but in our own space, our own personhood, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. So imagine us, you know, having all those things against us, and somebody's telling us, "Why don't you just stay out of jail?" Well, how am I feed my family? I'm gonna feed myself. Yeah. So. I mean, it's it's. It sounds like you have to come from a place of compassion. It sounds like you have to have um understanding um because we we are in a bit of a conundrum we're in we're in a situation where i mean you could be locked up any day for anything i mean period i mean you could be goody two shoes brother and you just be in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah and i mean yeah. there you can also be an innocent person and be locked up because there are plenty of those that are in, incarcerated yeah. um i mean it, it the, the thing goes it can go on and on and on but um, Lucy, I know you, you got a question. I know you got something you want to chime in. You got something you want to chime in on? Honestly, I have to go back to even, like, you know how we talked about on our previous show, we talked about long distance relationships. And for me, it's like, people was like, how do you do that? And like the intimate or the touch. And my biggest thing about, I don't judge the whole somebody being incarcerated. I don't, like, everybody has their own life and their story is different. So I can't judge you based off of that. But the intimacy part for me, like even if I dealt in a long distance relationship, we may not have been physically intimate, but I can FaceTime you, I can see you, I can, I can see your expression. You can kind of make love to me with your eyes. Like I can literally see you, but my whole thing is just the intimacy portion because the only person I can really reference who talked about uh, of you know being in prison with somebody for seven years with Keisha Kayor and she talked about them having a routine of their intimacy or their schedule and it's like a lot of people are not built like them I mean you have to really be disciplined but my whole thing is how do women 
because you even talked about it, it being the downside of why you wanted to terminate your uh, relationship. But it's like, how do women still have that intimacy with their mate mm-hmm. or even, you know, the other way around? Like, that's the biggest thing for me. I need to hear your voice randomly. I can't yeah. just wait every 15 minutes for this one time a day. You know, it's really, Lucy, you're absolutely right. It's, 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 it's difficult. You know what I mean? Um, the thing about, but the thing about it is that you get really creative, right? And you anticipate those phone calls, you know, and now there's video visits. So you do get to see your loved one through video, right? Um, but again, it's on a schedule. So that ain't cool, right? But it is on the schedule. Um, your letters are more passionate, right? Because now you are writing erotica, right? So you get really creative with how you express your love. And then when you have those moments where you can sit with, across from one another and touch one another, um, you may not be able to have sex, but there's a different kind of intimacy that you experience when, when your partner has no distractions, it is like kind of like what Tyrone was was talking about. It's like it's a different kind of like sensuality with that because you literally have this person all to yourself. There's no because nine times out of ten, his homies now left the whole fucking scene, and so it's really just you and him. You know what I mean? And so it's like it's really, really, really beautiful if you let it be beautiful. That usually happens for people who have short time. Short timers, it's easy to, you know, all right, this is what our lifestyle looks like right now, but it's only for a minute. When you have a lifer, that's a different kind of commitment, you know, totally different kind of commitment. And the thing about the long distance, um, a lot of people have long distance relationships. And yeah, you can FaceTime and you can probably have FaceTime sex and all that other stuff, but you can't do that on the prisons because, you know, they be watching it. They be minding your business. But... You can still like have a level of intimacy that you probably wouldn't have. Think about it. You know, you might have been dealing with this guy. He's so distracted in the streets that, you know, this kind of sex you was having was probably just fast paced, whatever. Just get it in. Let's this move. Now you get letters. You're getting words. You're getting cards. You're getting teddy bears in the home. And because there's all kinds of sales going on. You know what I mean? It's it's this different kind of love. And sometimes you can actually fall deeper in love with your partner because there are no distractions there. Now that I can definitely understand. I can definitely respect. Um, Ty, what, what was you going to say? Ty, like you wanted to say something. No, that was part of what I was, I guess I was trying to get at those letters and everything else, it wasn't there before. But now that that person is locked up, it's coming out. I guess what I'm trying to get at is, to me, the system is was created by psychopaths to begin with, and it's geared towards us, period. The whole system was created by psychopaths, and it's to keep <sighs> us from ascending or gaining power. Because if you gain power, you can pretty much diminish them altogether. Facts. We we have poor schools, poor teachers, poor education, poor neighborhoods. Once you get out of school, you're probably going to get a poor paying job. You're going to get a, a poor living house in a poor neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it's like a cycle. Yes. And again, I mean, you mentioned some things like a good guy out there hustling, trying to make a few extra dollars. Probably got a job, too. And he's yeah. still hustling just to take care of the family. 
And again, that's that system that they put us in with that environment. Like we mm-hmm. have no control over our environments. Yeah. We don't have control over the foods we eat. We mm-hmm. don't have control over the foods that are grown. We don't have control over our water, gas, electric. We have control over nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's like we're being used against each other out here in the streets. Absolutely. And we don't have an answer for it. Yeah. Well, I think the answer really is um, compassion, right? I think, Jimmy, you, you mentioned that, like, compassion in a shared environment. We don't, we, don't, we don't have no compassion for each other. Like, I know, it, like, even when, so, so when, not compassion, this is, this is a little left, but when you all had this pre-conversation before we started recording, you were asking each other about how, if you would date somebody who was incarcerated, Jimmy, Ty, you were like, uh, you know, uh, do you know the whole time I had my van service for seven years, I never went to a female prison? Men don't ride like women do. Yeah, that is. Look, I, I, I'm not going to dispute. I ain't going to have no rebuttal. I have no debate. I have no, like, yeah. if the percentage is there, I would probably be 0.5% of men. <laughs> And so in that space, though, that's where the compassion lies, right? Because we don't even ride the same. I'm going to ride for a brother, whether he's my son, my father, my uncle, my man. I'm going to ride because I got compassion for the male story, right? I I know what it's like to be a black male. I'm raising one, right? I know what it's like to... to, I, I know what it's like, not physically, to be a black male navigating the systems of America. It is damn... It's... It's a mindfuck, you know, like how you wake up every day, not feeling oppressed, trying to, you know, be happy that the sun is shining is powerful because everything is stacked against y'all than us. Ty, Ty, okay. Now, listen, I have said this time and time again, but Crystal just said it for me again, that this is exactly what we face on a day-to-day basis which is why we did the black man experience podcast, because we had to do that to talk about what we're stacked against. People don't understand the psyche of a black man and they feel like, and and I mean, listen, when you were talking about how black women are are riders, like Mm -hmm. they are, they really are. They go, I mean, they go to the imps, they, they stay, they take care, they nurture, they do all of that. But for us on our end, what we have to face on a day-to-day basis is extreme. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about it because what, what, what they say to us, stop bitching. Yeah. What you bitching about? Like you man up. That's, that's the phrase man up. Yeah. And when you think about what the obstacles we face on a day-to-day basis, I mean, going to a job that you, that that's not paying you enough mm-hmm. going to, you know, and, but on top of that, what you have to do is come home and still be, be the, be the man, be the dad, yeah. be the, be the father. Yeah. You got to show some kind of resolve all the time, yeah. even though you're giving peanuts in yeah. that situation. So, and, I'm, and, and also that's what you feel internally, but everywhere you look through imagery is that you're less than right and so you see that shit on Instagram, you see it on the news. I mean, the, 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 the psychological, the, the psychological warfare that's on black men post George Floyd through social media is fucking insane. You know, to watch a black man be murdered and hope that the justice system does right by him has to be a mindfuck for black men. 
you know, and, you know, and I'm raising a black man and I'm just like, every day I got to check into my son's mental health every day. Cause I know what he sees. I know what, you know, what the world, how they perceive him. I don't care how, how articulate he, how articulate he is, how handsome he is. They see less than lack thereof, you know? And so when I have brothers who have been faced with incarceration, I look at all of y'all the same. I'm like, all black men is one step away from incarceration because of the way this shit is designed. Like what Tyrone just said, like it is stacked upon stacked upon stack. So if y'all got to deal with that burden, us women, we had, we carrying it. One of my things that I say about my podcast is that women are funding the back end of the criminal justice system. We paying for lawyers, commissary, uh, transportation. Um, we're paying financially, mentally, physically for all this prison shit. And every time you hear about reform, and I love Meek and I love all of them, but it's not one black fucking woman on reform. How is it no black woman on reform? I have an issue with that. Vice Vice President Harris, did you, did you hear that? <laughs> I'm just saying. And she was a prosecutor. I'm talking about the, talking about the, the Vice President Harris. Like, who is she? She's non-exempt. She's just not around. But I'm talking about you know what I'm saying? I'm just talking about grassroots level. Like y'all talking about parole and women are receiving these men. There are women who are receiving these men when they come home. There are women who are still pouring into these men, hoping he don't reoffend. You know, and it's like it's just it's a lot. It's it, just a lot. It really is. It really is. T, I know you. I know you got something you can chime in. What you got over there, sis? That was a lot. You don't really like you don't think about this on a day to day, but like now you're thinking about that. It is a lot. Um I have one I have another question for you. Like you were saying, like, um basically the system's like not meant for us. Like the system's for us, basically. So what do you think that we as black people can do to try to change it as much as we can? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense? Yeah. Just like, like try to change like I know it's, it's like we're still we're the target, we're the target. Yeah. But we know we're we're the target, like you said. But people have to like pay, like you're going to work and you have to still take care of your family and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But is there another? Is there another out, like an out for that? Yeah. For a young, especially like you said, Philadelphia and all that. Because right now Philly, Philly is really bad. Yeah, Philly is Philly is bad because people are buying into the rhetoric. And I'm, I'm, let me share what I mean. I did a little, I'm a researcher by trade. So during the pandemic, I was in the house like everybody else. Parent, I wasn't really paranoid because my neighborhood was cool. So I was taking walks. It was nobody out because they were paranoid. And I was excited as fuck because I was seeing chipmunks. You ever see a chipmunk? Oh, yeah. Especially in the city. <laughs> they like this big. They are and I'm like, is that all. a chipmunk? Oh, my God. I saw a woodpecker. So I'm seeing all kinds of beautiful shit, right? But, of course, I'm like, they're saying it's COVID out here. Don't go outside. Now we got violence. Don't go outside. But I'm an Uber driver on a low. So I was like, all right, Crystal, if you're going to navigate Philly, you got to get outside, right? You got to see what Philly is looking like now, post-riot, post-COVID. So I get out there in my car and I'm doing Uber. And I'm doing Uber in the upper, the suburbs, bringing me into the city. White folks is still dining outside, 
right? I see so much construction. People got fucking money during COVID. Buildings are going up. People are getting facelifts. I mean, you, and so, and I don't see people shooting each other in the street. I don't see none of that, right? But if you go on the news, that's all you hear. It was a shooting here. It was a shooting there. It was a shooting here. It was shooting there. Now, again, I said, I'm a researcher. And I want you to hear what I'm saying and um, take away the fact that there are actual bodies. If you can just take that away for a second. We have about 1.5 million people in Philadelphia. That was the census a couple of years ago. 1.5 million people. We have 500 homicides. That's 0.00002% of the population. That's a very small percentage of the population. But those stories are 100% of the media. And what that does is tell us, don't trust each other. Don't trust your neighbor. Don't go shopping. Don't go to the bar. Don't have fun. Meanwhile, white folks is running around Philly living their fucking best life on gentrification. This shit is by design. You strike this because I don't really want to handle my on my ass because I just don't. I want to live a little longer. I got some I, I, I'm just, I'm just saying, Chris. <laughs> like, no, this, Ty, tell her this is what we do. Exactly what we've been talking about. This is this is what we talk about. If they're gonna cut you, they're gonna cut us. So it is what it is. Like, it's, so it's like. Y'all really, so so what we can do, Tiana, is stop buying into the bullshit and start really loving each other. You know what I mean? Like, just stop buying. I mean, granted, there's 500 homicides, there's 3,000 shootings, there's 1.5 million people in this city. Yeah. So they got us really in this trick bag of fear. So then they can shut us out of shit. Get us out of our and 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 for the ones who are killing each other, when you think about gentrification, if you got my back against the wall, you didn't change my whole neighborhood. Though shit look the same, I'm not safe here. So if I'm not safe here, ain't nobody gonna be safe here. I don't give a shit if you look like me, you sound like me, you dress like me. We're not safe here. So it's it's all of those things that come into um, you know for, that is really permeating our whole psyche when it comes to prisons, violence. You name it, you know what I mean, and so we just gotta, we just gotta kind of get out the, get out the, get media, out of our own get, get out of the media ecosystem that yeah. we continue to that that we that we exist in in only one way. Ty's always saying this: you never hear about one Asian guy shot another Asian guy. You don't hear that. Even Hispanics, you never hear. You never hear about. And they wallet. Oh, they. they, you know, they yeah, those, you, those other. We got the we got the Asian gangs. And we got the Latino gangs and they wobbling. But who <laughs> make the news? We do. We make the news. We always make the news. We make the news on everything. And I mean, on a constant basis. Yeah. But, but people... So you constantly seeing us slaughtered in the street, yellow tape, seeing our old neighborhoods on the news. How, how are you supposed to not feel like you got to be in defense mode every time you walk out your door? Yeah. I mean, I, I just left Southwest Philly. I lived on Whitby. Yeah, and I grew up on 56th and Chester Avenue. So, so you, you I grew up exactly. down the street from the move people. We yep. all we were neighbors. Uh, and, and you know exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. And and I tell everybody all the time when you watch the news, you have to watch it. They're selling you stories. They're clickbait. Absolutely. They're selling Absolutely. it to you. They're 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 sending you stuff that you that they want to make you think that you want to you want to read. Absolutely. You know, if you stop reading the Philadelphia Inquirer, 
I guarantee you, you might see things that are different. Absolutely. You might see a different society. You might see a different, a, a different way of thinking. If you mm-hmm. stop clicking on those stories that say such and such shot, then you wouldn't see that. That, yeah. that stuff that happened in South Philly or rather on South Street, mm-hmm. they were, that made the national news. Yeah. But when you watch the video, it ain't white people doing it. It's young yeah. black dudes. Yeah. And you know what else? Because we don't want to talk about this snitching shit. But the white folks was turning those video cameras in. They like, oh, not on my block. You can get all this ring camera footage you want. But with us, it's like, you know, the whole snitching thing. And of course, it's going to sound crazy because I'm an advocate. You know what? I'm not an advocate of crime. I'm an advocate of freedom. So I want people to be remain free and get free. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I want, I want, I don't want you to commit a crime in the first place. I've seen, a, I've seen horrible things from those ring cameras, but you know where I saw them? On social media. The cops ain't got that shit. They not no. cracking cases. No, they're not. How you not cracking cases and everybody got cameras? Because they always, they're called the, the after effect. They're, they're the show up after everything goes down. I mean, that's yeah. what the cops are, you know? Yeah. I, it's always stuff going down. It's always something going down, but they never seem to be around when it goes down. That's just, you know, what I always say. But, you know, it, it you know, Crystal. Yeah. Don't, but get, it's, us, it's, it's, don't get it started, Crystal. Because our young people are, are, are you're not going to get, I mean, even, even the ones who, the young people are out there with the guns because they're out there, but they have been locked in their homes for the whole COVID, killing people for what? How many doubt? It's 24 hours in a day. I'm going to say about 18 of those hours, our young people have been slaughtering on Fortnite and Grand Theft, you know, Grand Theft Auto all night long. So when they finally get outside and get one of those COVID guns that they really don't know how to use, now they're shooting every and anything. So it's all kinds of stuff that lead to incarceration. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you've never played GTA, if you've never played Grand Theft Auto, I, I never played any of them, but I, I, I know they're violent. Listen, I had to stop playing it recently because I'm like, I'm just shooting up people. You know, <laughs> this so ain't good. Moment, right? When you're but, like, I'm, 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 how many people did I kill today? You know, I, I mean, I laid, up, laid the cops out on that tree. Like I, so I had to just really figure out in my mind, like, yo, you right. got to stop playing this. This is not exactly. good for your psyche. So, you know what I mean? You have a developed mind. Imagine a young, undeveloped mind killing all night and all day. So these are the things that, you know, as I've now sat back from the prison van service, I've decided that I'm like, this shit is bigger than me. Like I took this, um, I did this uh, fellowship with Worth Rises. WorthRises.org is an um, an advocacy organization that is trying to get, um, they're just trying to let you understand how profitable the prison system is, right? Where they get their money from. And so it was a 15-week curriculum. I think it was like the fourth or fifth week where I just checked out because we talked about the 13th Amendment. So I'm an advocate of prison reform. We got to free, 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 free all the homies. So I'm reading the 13th Amendment. I'm reading about the 13th Amendment. And it's literally, if you get locked up, whether you white, black, whatever, if you get locked up, you are a slave. That is the 13th Amendment. You are in servitude if you are a criminal. So when emancipation came to be, they had to put the 13th Amendment in there because they didn't have any land workers. 
So what better way to re to get the land workers back was to put this 13th Amendment together. So now there's the 20, I think it's the 28th Amendment. This, this, this worth rises. Those folks are working on getting the 13th Amendment abolished because you are, it's in the constitution that you are considered a slave if you get, I'm, I'm pulling it up so I can read it because I don't want to. Of course. No, please, please. I, yeah, I was about to research it myself. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. So if you have been convicted of a crime, slavery, involuntary um, servitude, that's what you're doing. And isn't that what they do in Arizona and Mississippi and Arkansas? Mm-hmm. And the boys working on them chain gangs, roads, Texas, Texas. They're cleaning up the roads, cleaning up this, cleaning up that. I mean, that's what they do. That's that's what they do. You know. So when I saw that though, I was like, "Oh, this shit bigger than Nino Brown. <laughs> <laughs> way bigger than Nino. Like way bigger than. Oh Nino. my god! I felt so small. Like it really messed with my psychology. I like. My mind was like blown. I felt so small. Like I just got a van service trying to take people to reconnect, but they slaves now. Yeah. Once you and of course my my logo is the RRRs, the railroad symbol. I did it because of Harriet Tubman. She was freeing slaves. I didn't realize that it was in the Constitution. No, they're slaves. No, no, no slaves are hard to free. Why don't y'all look up Worth Rises, the curriculum? You're going to learn so much that's going to blow your oh, mind. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out. Ty probably will do the same. I see him over there jotting, jotting yeah, down. Yeah, please that's, do it. That's It's going to blow your mind because it's, it's very a well-done curriculum. And it's very, um, it's just it's simple and easy to read. You know, yeah. where you learn that on every level, even a prison, the private prisons, but you learn about companies like, you know, Idaho potatoes, or you learn about, so for instance, Vanguard, Vanguard, um, which is our retirement fund and all that, they have a stake in private, private prisons. Now, I bought some stock recently. I'm happy as shit. I'm like, some Vanguard is doing good. The numbers is going up. My son, 24, he like mom. He sent me a link. You know, Vanguard is they get in the bed with the prisoners. I had to sell my stock because that's what I that's what I stand on. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I stand on what I stand on. But there's so many companies. Idaho Potatoes. Idaho Potatoes uses the whole prison. The prison, I think it's in tech, it's an Idaho, is it it's not Idaho, but it's somewhere to cultivate the potatoes, clean the potatoes. Like they they use the prison to do it. And these men are getting a cheap labor. Cheap labor. More cheap than labor. cheap slave labor. That's dead slave labor. So you know I, I digress. I know I digress. we can we can go on forever on this one. We really can't see. So it's not as simple as it's not. You know, oh, we found ourselves in a relationship and we trying to because I'm one of those people that dug real deep in, and I'm like, oh, this is this is yeah. more than just a love story. This yeah. is survival are, of our of a culture. There are layers to this thing. There are deep yeah. layers to this thing, and it's not as simple as it is. And I know, look, we got we got to wrap it a little bit, but I wanted to some, I want everybody to get say something or get get a question. And Lucy, I know you got something to say. You've been over there listening the whole time. I know you got something. For me, it's just like that's why I don't judge. That's why I say for me, if I ever dealt with somebody who I've dealt with somebody incarcerated before, but he was on work release after 
at the time I met him, I don't judge because honestly, the system is designed to fail our people. So for me, it's like, I can't say, why won't you do the straight thing again? I couldn't say that because at the end of the day, you try your best to do your best. They're going to find a way to incarcerate you, yeah. regardless of what you try to do. So my whole thing is that I'm just having a better outlook of how people who have been married to inmates who didn't done life, you have a different outlook. So that's why I was really interested in really accessing okay. and understanding your aspect of it, Crystal, honestly. Yeah, it's heavy. But I think also to, to the flip side of that point is that um, brothers need to realize then us women are not the fucking enemy, right? And so when you come home from jail and you got all these barriers against you, just know I'm on the team to help you. You know what I'm saying? Like my, my partner, the bad, the criminal who wasn't good at it, you know, he came home with a masonry certificate and he was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this certificate. You know what I did? I went to the fucking phone book and I looked up concrete companies and I called up until number four and explained his situation. Number four said, tell him to come down. We, we might have something for him. Tell him to come down so we can meet him. We'll have something for him. I told him, he ain't go. So my point is, <laughs> you know, we on your team. Yeah. We're not, we not the enemy. No, We're trying to help you. Yeah. If you got a woman that's going to help you when you come out that situation, don't shit on her. Don't do it. Your karma going to be crazy. That's yeah. all. Ty, Ty, that, listen, that's real. That's real. Ty, what you got, bro? You know what I'm saying? I said, uh, Ms. Crystal, um, have you heard of police brutality bonds? How am I on the police brutality no, bonds? Have you, have you heard of police brutality bonds? No, I haven't. Okay, so it's a police brutality bonds. When the police kill someone, uh, they're not held accountable. Uh, you have like uh, in a city where you can invest in a city and municip- municipality bonds. Mm-hmm. So there's three companies that pretty much control the investments of those Bank of America, Goldman Sachs. And I want to say it's Vanguard, but I'm not sure the third company is. So whenever there's a, a killing in a city or a police killing, the investors in a city make money off of that. Interesting. And with the police brutality bonds, what happens is if there's a settlement to that particular family, it doesn't come from the city or the state. It comes from the people that lives within that city or state. It's taken out of their money. I mean, it's something really interesting. You might want to research police brutality bonds. Oh, my uh, God. Like, 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 they're so split. Like, America. this is the most America. scammiest-ass country. Like, come on, America. Like, be yeah. great. <laughs> No, I didn't know about that. And yeah. I'm so sad that you said Bank of America because I was going to reopen an account with them and now I got to rethink myself. Yeah, they, they, they profit off of um, police brutality bonds. They, I mean, that's America, right? Yeah. How, how else are we going to make money off these black people once we get them free? Yeah. Once we allow them to be quote unquote free, how else yeah. can we make some more money from them? And that's pretty much what they do. They just start ringing them pockets, boy. If you live in America and you black, you're gonna have to cough something up eventually. So yeah, that's just that's just what. And, it and is. it's and it's 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 disgusting. And you know, of course, because I'm also with for reparations, you know, and so. I'm just like, can we get to that part? Because this- listen, 
you said what did you say earlier you you, you were like you know you can't even get to you can't even put that on the agenda conjugal videos on, on the agenda well you i don't know when rep, reparations gonna get on any agenda yeah. whatsoever you know they, they'll never i'm not gonna say never there is a slimmer of hope yeah. someday and you know I keep hope alive not jesse jackson but, but just yeah. more about like you know keep hope alive at some point they may give us reparations but well, probably here, three generations down about- Mm. Look at Ty. Ty said yeah. no. Ty said no. no. Here's what I, here's what I say. Said no. Here's what I say about the Black agenda, right? So, 20 years ago, 20 some odd years ago, we had the uh, Million Man March, where we had a million men in Washington. Black men in Washington. I was there. Yeah. I'm glad you was there, right? Did they give you an assignment when you were there? Well, to be a better Black man. Right. But they didn't put y'all black men in categories and say, you group of black men, you fucking, you deal with violence in your community. You group of black men, you deal with economy, banking in your community. You group of black men, you deal with family dynamics. There was no agenda. And that's the problem. We can get us all together and gather up, but we don't give each other, we don't give us an agenda. Because we don't have an an agenda. But Crystal, we don't have an agenda. We don't even we know. We don't even know we who got we are. We have an agenda, Crystal. Crystal, for real. End of the day, like I wish I could. I wish I could tell you yes, but of all the things that I have seen, and I know you probably done more research than I have. Time, I know it's done more research than I have. We don't necessarily have an agenda. I was there at the at the Million Man March. I'm born and raised in D.C. I'm 15 years old. I'm at the Capitol. I'm watching all these men come together. I'm watching all these people speak the whole time, and it's it's really like fluff. It's mm-hmm. fluff. You get on the bus, you see a million black men, fantastic. We're all here. Now yeah. what? What's nobody next? Had, nobody had a call to action. Nope. I mean, Louis Farrakhan spoke. Uh, Al Sharpton spoke. I mean, all the black, all, they had young, young, young people, young black men speak, teenagers speak. They had everybody speaking, but speaking don't do nothing for me. And that's I, how I feel about the politics in Philadelphia. There's never really a call to action for for any of us, and women, we will galvanize. We will. You what you want us to do? We we want to. We got you. You know we. You want us to. Call oh, we know that. Right. Let us do oh, whatever. We, uh, women, we do women will. Women will will take the initiative that needs to be done. I mean, we have the million women march. You see, what they they still got. They don't build organizations and nonprofits and everything from it. What we do, we was yeah. we was like we you know we should at least use it to get brothers out of jail some kind of way. But you know, and I that's listen. all I'm saying is like. When we have an opportunity to all get together, we should not be walking away without an agenda. It's true. Sister T, I know, I know, you know, I want you to say something before we, before we close. I want you to, you know, give your input. I believe I've been running my mouth this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the water. It's in Telling the water. Telling business. It's in the water. In the <laughs> <laughs> See, what you got to say, sis? I was just going to say, the strange fruit is now in the prison. If you know, you know. And on there you go. Yeah. There you go. Crystal is definitely in a prison. I can't I can't <laughs> tell you enough how how much I've enjoyed this conversation. I think the team has as well because the experience, your knowledge, your expertise is impeccable. It's phenomenal. It's it's what people it, you know, whenever we did do the podcast, whenever we cover topics, we like to talk about stuff that people don't talk about. You know, we like to try to attack subjects that aren't in the media, that aren't, you know, that we even when you're sitting around the kitchen table, you're not talking about it. And, 
you know, when we first started this topic, T was like, well, I don't, first, the only thing I know about prison is dropping the soap. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's like, you can't, there's so much more to, to that because that, that's what the media portrays. Absolutely. But I like real life stories. I like authentic stories. I like stories to tell the truth yeah. because the truth is where, where the heart is. The truth is where the heart is. That's, yeah. that's where it lies. That's what people feel in their hearts and in their minds. Like something's not right. You know, yeah. something's not correct. And, you know, with you coming on tonight, sharing your story, as well as sharing some of the experiences with the women that you have, have driven for two years places. Seven. I mean, it, seven, seven, seven. Well, I was referring to the one, the one woman that you drove up for two years. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, right, yeah. you know, but seven years, it's a yeah. long time to be Hearing doing, all those, doing the work, try, 300,000 miles um, across, back and forth across PA, 11,000 hours, 28 season changes. I did all the numbers. I was like, God, what? But let me tell you what I'm doing now. Yeah, when talk to me. Please, please so, talk what you're doing now. Because I could not do my van service anymore. And quite frankly, I just didn't want to, of course, because of recidivism. It didn't reduce that and all these other things. I still want to heal my folks. So I went um, and became a licensed massage therapist um, doing trauma-informed massage therapy for youth and adults. So right. I'm doing reset and restore. I'm still with my double R's because I'm never going to leave that. That's my brand. But reset and restore. Um, reset and restore. Where can people find you at Crystal? Where can they find you? Well, you can find me. Well, you can't find me on Instagram is because my page is finally private. I haven't had never had a private Instagram page until now, so I can be on there reckless as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> But my my business page, I still have Ryan Rebuild open, but only because Meek Mill followed me and I don't want to take it down because I lose that. <laughs> um, but real a reset and restore um, underscore massage is my new page where I will be talking about trauma and healing and my massage therapy practice. So that's where I'm at with it. The, the podcast is still up. I haven't really been interviewing people because, like I said, COVID changed everything. Women. Yeah. Women who were riding when COVID came was like, I ain't got to ride no more. I'm sure a lot of relationships ended because of COVID because women just had a, they had a way out. You know what I'm saying? That's a whole other story to you. I'm out. Look, I'm going to confess something. (laughs) Shoot, my relationship ended because of COVID, but my, I wasn't locked up. So I don't know. I don't know what, what happened in that time. (laughs) <laughs> she saw you was locked up she's like oh wait oh this one is like what you think about yeah. this yeah. nigga this nigga oh, no, right, I, I got to go we gotta do this yeah no that's this is done this is done I mean like I, I'm just joking though but it's it's well I'm not joking about that that's real but <laughs> but I mean it, it's it's one of them things too that that people have to understand that yeah you know going into a prison relationship or having a prison relationship or having a mate that was out and then they went in yeah. Not easy, family. It's not easy. And I implore you to show a little more compassion to your friends and your family members that that are dealing with relationships or people that are incarcerated. Show some compassion to them first so that they can feel a little bit more secure and moving forward in those situations. Whether they stay with these people or whether or these people, whether they stay with these men or they don't stay with these men. Compassion is the key. Be be a listening ear. Don't be like you tired. I'm tired of hearing about you talk about this boy. I, I don't want to hear you no more. Like no, listen to what they got to say. You know, let let them vent. Let them get out their frustration so they can continue on in life. Because I guarantee you, at some point, you might end up in the same situation, and you're gonna want the same things. You're gonna want a listening ear. You're gonna want people to hear what you have to say. You're gonna want, you're gonna want to bleed your heart because you have stored up all this emotion within you. So I I ask you to please 
be be compassionate, be caring, be understanding. That's the only way we're going to come together. You know, that should be our agenda. That yeah. should be our agenda, not trying to one up one another. It, it should mm-hmm. be about how we care about each other and take care of each other because we all we got. All the stats that we don't put together tonight, all all the, the, the things you didn't know about how the government treats us, all of that. This is the reason why we need to come together. And I, you know, I'm not trying to be like Al Sharpton and be like, let's come together and save the black folks. Like, no, I'm not saying that. No, I'm you saying, are saying that. You should. The, <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, well, look, I'm not trying to be like Al Sharpton. I got you. Oh, like, hey, yeah, listen, I, I'm just saying, and at, at the end, of, at the end of it all, is that what's important is that we come together as a, as a people. It's too much against us and fighting against us, and and this is one aspect. And that's that's something that I think is is not it's not a it's not a it's not a coincidence. That's what I really want to say. It's not a coincidence. So family, you know, on that note, I want to thank y'all for listening. Jimmy Bond's podcast, Philadelphia Radio. Shout out to my sister Lucy, my brother Ty, my sister T, and definitely shout out to Crystal for coming on tonight. She definitely dropped some knowledge and some jewels, as we say. Round of applause, round of applause. Well, family, listen, you know, on that note, I just want everyone to be out there, you know, we're still in COVID-19 pandemic. Please, please, please wear your mask, wash your hands, practice social distancing. If you don't believe in any of that, just do it for somebody else because to show that we caring about each other a little bit, just a little bit. People still catching COVID. Like, it's, it ain't over, yeah. right? So, you know, I, I really appreciate everyone listening on a week, week-to-week basis. Listen to us on LFRadio.com, 8 o'clock every morning. But family, like we are in a very dire situation and I want to be, I want to say something funny before we end, because sometimes it gets too heavy, you know, sometimes it could just be too heavy, but black people just love each other. Like, damn, it ain't that hard. Like it ain't that hard. And you act like this is so difficult. Just, just care about your people. That's it. Like, damn, that's all I'm saying. Care about your people. That's it. You care about Kev, 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 um, care about everybody. Listen, if you care about cousin Kev, you gotta care about everybody because Kev, cousin Kev got issues, you know. Cousin Kev, cousin Kev. I'm gonna get my cousin Kev shirts out. Listen, Crystal, for you, for those who don't know, cousin Kev is just that family member that you have in your family that just keep effing up. That's the one that keep returning. Like, come on, Kev, come on, bro, you just got out, Kev. Kev, you just got out, dog. Like, bro, you going right? Come on, Kev. Like, that's that's cousin Kev. So. You know what I mean? But anyway, family, remember, please, please, please wash your hands, wear a mask, practice social distancing. And also remember to tell your friends, your family, and your loved ones that you love them because you never know when you might get a second chance. I'm Jimmy Bonds, Jimmy Bonds Podcast and Luffy Radio. I'm out. Peace. Fam, that's going to wrap the show. We want to thank you for listening to Jimmy Bond's podcast on Philadelphia Radio. We ask you to leave your comments and questions at 844-844-1244. Again, that's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. That's J-I-M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. Now, remember, family, we are still in a COVID-19 pandemic. So please, please, please remember to wash your hands, wear a mask, and practice social distancing. Also, remember to take nothing for granted and value every opportunity you have with your friends, your family, and your loved ones. For in these times, every moment is sacred. So until the next episode, you can find me on Go Ho Road, screaming, stay up, don't sleep in your dreams. I'm Jimmy Bonds, and I'm out.